Welcome to Well Maybe, a podcast about our communication and leadership. I am your host, Breon Fraction, along with Alan Ward, consultants and strategists, and just two ordinary guys in the world of workplace and community engagement. This week on Well Maybe, Alan and I thought we would discuss some of the 2020 trends in the workplace culture, but we found ourselves in an interesting discussion about recruitment and entrepreneurial spirit, really trying to dissect this thing that we call passion for the work that we do. We wanted to get to a point that we can figure out this thing called passion and how passion can play a role in not only small startup businesses, but also big private and government corporations. This is part one of that discussion. Do you have any thoughts about that? Just something brief, like. Yeah, well, uh, uh, just a couple things real quick. Num- number one, um, I was having a conversation with my son the other day, and he was telling me that um, his his company had, was making a pretty significant shift in two things related to that particular topic. One of them is uh, that they were really pushing to hire from within more, um, and some of those positions that are positions that historically that they would hire from outside to come in first and second level supervisors primarily, they were really working towards promoting from within to maintain the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's an interesting thought. Um, I think there are times whenever it's important to bring someone from the outside in to bring some perspective, but I also think that uh, that's a delicate balance because we do need to make sure that we're hiring from within if we have people that have the right talents and skills to be able to move in, move them into those positions. And they hopefully come with that already established understanding and uh, investment in the culture of the, the organization. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really a good idea. Um, but I also think you have to balance it and make sure that you're bringing some perspective in from the outside, but you're also really giving people opportunity uh, from inside the organization to, to move into those positions. So that's number one. And then the other thing was um, this idea of being more flexible with what people want as they either get promoted from within the organization or um, come from outside the organization into <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, particularly one of the things he was telling me about were, were some conversations that they had been having about the importance of giving people flexibility with location. Mm-hmm. And so he said, we've lost some people because they were really qualified folks and we wanted them to come, but they were hesitant to move to the area that we wanted them to go. And it, in this current environment, where more and more people are working from home or remote in some capacity, what we're really starting to see is that location plays a bigger and bigger role in their decision making about whether or not they're gonna they're willing to come into your organization. So I think we really have to rethink what location means for us and, and maybe we're maybe we need to be a little bit more flexible with that than even we thought we should be. There are folks who who definitely want to come into an office environment in person from time to time. There are folks that um, thrive in that environment and they want to do that. And at the same time, there are folks who do not want to do it, not at all. 
Uh, and there's just a myriad of variants between the two. So um, I think the good companies are going to be as flexible as they possibly can, understanding what their job functionality is and allow people to really create what their um, their position looks like on a day-to-day basis. So more and more what I'm what I'm hearing is that people are asking for a hybrid format that works for them, which may not be the same as the next person. And so from an HR perspective, we have to be careful here because number one, we want to be consistent, but number two, we want to be flexible. So how do we then do both of those things? And sometimes that can be tricky, particularly in an ever-changing environment. So we want to give people the benefit uh, of choosing what works best for them, but we also understand that what works best for me may not work best for you. And so how do we balance that whenever it comes to actually being in in an office environment versus being remote? Um, I I think we're still trying to figure all that out. Who's balanced? Are we talking about the organization balancing or are we talking about the individual doing the balancing? I had a discussion with a lady yesterday and she said, I wanted to go back to work. I was home. I do not know how to work at home. I have too many distractions. I'm sitting at home. And the first thing that I start thinking about are the things that I need to do here with the laundry is sitting here. I look down at the floor. I think I need to start mopping the floor. And so the balance for her is I understand that hybrid is an option, but I don't want that option because I cannot work at home. But I also understand that there are people who can work at home because they don't have the type of mind that I have. The way that my mind is set up is to be in an environment away from home. And other people, they can successfully complete all their tasks. They can take care of their work at home with children sitting in the living room, the TV on with a drink in their hand and love it, right? And so she said she was the first person to go back into her office. She was the last person to leave her office. And then she was the first person to return to her office. And this was an issue for her for a whole year. And she was having these conversations with her supervisor throughout the whole year so she can get back to work. On the opposite end was her husband, who knew he needed to be in the office, but he didn't want to be in the office. So the balance, the organization has to have some balance with that, and the individual has to think about that too. So I think it is important that we talk about this balance. And I like the question that you posed, which is, is it balanced for whom? And I think we have to really look at it from a couple perspectives. One of them is the individual in question, the employee. Clearly, they need to find the balance and what works for them. We know, as you said, that some people work well at home and others don't work so well at home. And some like to do part of the time there and and part of the time in the office. Uh, And and again, there's all kinds of variations to that. Um, But we also have operational need. And depending on what your job functionality is, we may need you to be there in person to to address it. My wife's a nurse. She can't do her job unless she's at the hospital because the patients are at the hospital and she needs to be there. So 
not every job has the ability to to have this kind of flexibility. But if you're in a position or if your organization is one that allows for for that kind of flexibility, then that's where this conversation comes into play. So it really is important for us to find the balance in both operational need and the individual employee's desires for what works for them. Uh, I was thinking in the midst of your comments a minute ago about how some people work well at home and some don't. Um, in the midst of this pandemic, there have been times when I would work exclusively from home, and then there'd be other times when I would be in the office a small amount and then at home a small amount. And at this stage, I'm a little bit more in the office more than I am at home, although it's still very much a hybrid situation. And what I've come to realize in my own situation is that it really depends on what else is going on in my home that allows me to be really efficient. If I'm home and I'm by myself, then I can be very efficient, more so than I could possibly even be in my office. But if my wife is at home or if our granddaughter is home with my wife, she's watching her, then there are a lot of other distractions here at home that cause me not to be quite as efficient as if I would, again, if I was home by myself. So uh, the other thing is I find myself occasionally missing the social element of being in the office if I'm at home for days on end. And again, that's just part of who I am as an individual that, you know, there's a piece of me that likes the social engagement that comes from being around other adults in a work environment. Now, that may be um, generational. Um, You know, I've been in the workforce for a long time now, and so part of how I think about work is based on my experiences over 30-plus years now. For someone that could be very well be different than for someone who is, you know, 23 years old coming out of college who, you know, for the last couple of years have really had to embrace what, um, what work and finishing school looks like in a COVID environment. So mm-hmm. that that's going to play very differently in their mind than it does in my own. And so part of this conversation also goes back to this generational difference conversation that we've really had for a long time but I think it's even more important now for us to give some considerations of that in the midst of everything else we're trying to figure out. Because of our ideas of what work is supposed to look like, Ge- generation affects that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it really is a byproduct of our experiences, right? So I only know what work looks like because of the 30 years I've done it. And it's also the job, the type of job you do. So you, you mentioned your wife been a nurse and she have to be at work. And then there are jobs, like you saying, you don't have to be at work to do it. You you can be in the office two, two to three days during the week and the rest of the week, you don't need to be there. Or you can come in half a day and do what you need to do in that half a day. So, so when we're talking about balance with hybrid, we really have to look at the individual and the organization, how each operates, how the individual operates in um, certain environments and how the organization needs to operate to to have its performance, to do what it needs to do each day. For me, I like quiet spaces to do work, but I also like to be around people who are working hard. I, I, found, I find myself anytime that I'm doing personal work 
and I'm in a environment where people are just grinding and you see like that entrepreneurial spirit, I am encouraged to work even harder. And I find myself uh, less likely to even get on my phone sometimes uh, <laughs> to kind of skim through social media and whatnot. Right. I don't do that that much when I'm when I'm around people who are working really hard. I think every like the energy in the room, everyone's so motivated that a lot of work is just getting done with within small periods of time. I can I can probably finish three hours of regular office work in an hour in a motivated environment. Do you think that is because the people around you are modeling the behavior that you want to emulate? Or do you think it's, I believe the word you used was, um, not spirit, but um, the uh, culture mm -hmm. uh, of the people that are you're around. Mm -hmm. So you're picking up on maybe a, a work ethic or um, a vibe that's coming from them that make you want to work differently. Mm -hmm. Would you consider that as being modeling behavior that you're trying to emulate, or would you just consider that as being part of a team where you feel like you're, you need to step up your game to be an equal team player? I think it encompasses all of that. So if you think in a work environment where the culture is, is performance-based, not only is it performance-based, but everyone is also passionate about what they're doing. You think the outcomes would be greater or, or less? They're going to be greater because you're in a room filled with people who are passionate about what they're doing, and the expectation is, is that you're kicking tail. And there's no exception to that. And not only in these environments is it personal for the individual. What I've noticed is, is all of the people who are doing the work, their work is connected to something greater. So when I have conversations with, with these individuals, like I will go up to them, introduce myself, hey, I'm Breon, this is what I do. You typically get questions from them about, Man, well, what what made you get into that? You know, how did that how did that come about? Man, tell me more. And so it becomes about the work that you're doing instead of the finished product. So what I'm hearing is that your motivations are coming from the passion of others that you see around you. And when you see them really doing some things that you appreciate and that you want to emulate, then that pushes you to do exactly that. Yeah, and people are, are just building building each other up. And even the conversations when you're not focused on your work is focused on something innovative. You hardly ever, and I'm just talking about my personal experience in that space, it is seldom that I hear complaints about work or anything or about the world, how things are operating. It's always focused on solutions on how to address issues with the work that they're doing or issues in the community, issues within the organizations, personally. It's always solution-focused. 
This almost sounds fraternal, the way you describe it. Uh, what I'm envisioning is there may be there may not be set rules or expectations for these different people that are around, but that to a certain degree you start to align your thoughts to your involvement with them, almost in a team approach. I, I do believe it's a, a team approach in spirit, right? In your mind, you know, you know that people are working hard individually. And some of the people aren't entrepreneurs, meaning that they, they're not the CEO or the managing director of the organization. They're an employee of an organization, and there are rules. But think about how we talk about policy and procedure, and we we say that policy and procedure is black and white, but you have that gray area in between to work in. And those spaces that I'm talking about, man, that gray area is innovation. It's truly innovation. It's like, oh, well, I know that these are the rules. I have to stay within these parameters, but I'm going to create in this space how I need to create as long as I come out with the solution that they're asking for. But it's several ways I can get to the solution, and it's several energies and it's several resources that I can use on my way to this solution. And here's the other piece that I'm, I've learned if you fail in the end and you still got time to find another solution, just go ahead and do it. Well, it's not technically a failure until you've decided to be done. Right. So the individual fails. They fail themselves. But in an environment right. like that, it's so hard to fail yourself because the entrepreneurial spirit is you learn from your failures. Right, and it's not the finish line. So, right. so in my mind, the way I hear you talk about this, I, I'm equating this to be failure comes from giving up because you, what you said then is, well, this didn't work and I'm done trying. Well, okay, that might by definition be failure, but what I'm hearing in this um, creative space that you're you're talking about is when failure occurs, it's only a step towards further success. So you you don't see it as a failure. You just see it as a path that didn't lead in the direction you, you wanted it to go. So you've closed that path down and created another pathway to try to look to see if that can get you to where you want to be. That is continued work towards whatever the goal is. So it's not time to discuss failure. It's time to continue the mission to try to find success. Yeah. Then you and can come back. Absolutely. Yeah, You can and come back and look at the things that didn't work. So my question to you, Brian, is if, if I want to tap into this as a business owner or as an executive in uh, an organization, I want to tap into what you're talking about. I want to develop a culture where quality people are doing good work and it is 
it rubs off on other people and it continues those people in turn rub off on other people and so on and so forth. And it creates this environment that is passionate and exciting and creative and encouraging and not concerned about failure, but concerned about continuing to learn and grow and develop. How do I do that? How, how do I bring that? or create that in my environment? I think the easiest thing to do for entrepreneurs or people who start the business is to let go. And it's the, it's the hardest thing to do. I started to say, right? you said the easiest thing it's to do? It's the easiest thing to do to, to get the success that you're talking about, right? Of building people to build their culture. So are you saying it's the easiest thing to do and yet the hardest thing to do at the same time? And the hardest thing to do. I can only imagine if you are, were someone who created the company, obviously you're going to have passion for that. It's your baby. You started it. You put in the work. You've done everything you needed to do to make this successful. Every so organization be, started that way. Exactly. Right. So it, it's natural. It's very natural, I think, to have a hard time letting go of the control piece of that because you're the one that made it happen. And I, and I've seen, gosh, how many of us have had a supervisor that said, well, if you want something right, you got to do it yourself. Right. You know, that mindset is, well, you know, I can't trust anyone to do it as well as I would do it myself. Therefore I'm not going to trust them. That's, that's an issue. That statement is an issue, right? I agree. And the reason that it's an issue is based on a lack of awareness of yourself and the people around you. So it's going to take, yeah, it's hard to let those things go. But if you are committed to building relationships with people and focusing on being a good leader and communicating clearly and effectively then you can build those relationships so that that passion can continue in your culture that you can have coaching and you know coaching opportunities and development programs or or whatever it may be peer development so that people can get themselves into that into those mind frames and your culture can actually become what you desire to be. It may not be exactly like you, but it'll be along that path of the way that you think about how you want your environment, how you want the people in your environment. So we have to come to the realization at some point that while I may have created this from nothing and while I may have done all put in all the work to make it happen and to begin to be, um, uh, you know, profitable and to do well. As I bring on other people, I have to empower them to take on some responsibility, and that will come directly from the vision that I instill in them. And that's whenever, when we bring more, more and more people into the organization, that we really have to make sure. That number one, people understand and have a clear, uh, un, 
a very clear understanding of what the vision is and feels like and looks like, and also that they're aligned with the ideas of what the culture that we want to be is and that we all take a responsibility and a role in making it happen. And so I think that's really a transitional piece uh, for new startups and for, for entrepreneurs who are growing business and beginning to, to go from it being all about me because I'm the one that makes this work to it becoming uh, all about us, whoever that us is, uh, and bringing more people into the team. But it, I think it that's can, really important. It can happen not only in those startup businesses, those small businesses. It can it can happen in big organizations. It can happen in government organizations. Oh, and I think it has to. The only difference is that all of that vision didn't begin with me. If we're talking about a large organization that maybe is a governmental entity or uh, maybe maybe even a for-profit business, but it's a large one, then I don't. I, I, in some ways, I think it's actually easier because then we don't have that personal investment that you might if you began the company. Because we at some point came in, we weren't the first person there that created the vision or the 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 culture. We were assimilated into it, and we may wholeheartedly believe in it and be a part of it. But then then it's about perpetuation of that. So not only do I need to believe and embrace and model that culture every day, but I also want to encourage that with the newer people that are coming on after me to help them to understand what that expectation looks like. So going back to your example, if, you, if you're around those, those entrepreneurs that are doing good work and that are really you know, just, just rocking with creative ideas and new ways of, of coming up with, with work that encourages you and excites you to try to do the same. The next step is once you do that and you've established that, then you have a responsibility to do that for the next group that comes in that might need to see that same thing that you saw that spurred you to be exciting and creative and and passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. I don't have a, that's not an option. Right. So when you get to the point where you consider yourself a leader, it's not an option anymore. And for some reason, we're we're missing the mark in leadership. We'll hire people in as leaders because of their performance. And that's fine. I think sometimes that's necessary. close, I want to thank you for joining Well Maybe. If you enjoyed honest conversation, applauded unpolished responses, and appreciated humor, or you just wanted some great practical advice about communication and leadership, this is the podcast for you. Hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications. Send your questions and responses to wellmaybepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And let's connect next week for some fun and entertaining growing together. Until next time, signing out. Thank you.